Life at 2% starts next Sunday. I uh, hope you'll be back uh, as we're starting the year on a series I think that'll speak to all of us uh, in a bunch of different ways. We want to welcome you here today. Uh, Happy New Year. Thanks for coming out this morning. You know, as we wrapped up Christmas last week and we're starting a brand new series next week, it's what do you do with the one week uh, that kind of ends one year and starts another. And so I'm excited this morning to kind of remind you what we're about as a church uh, what that means for us uh, as individuals. So we want to celebrate a little bit of what God's doing, has done in 2017, look ahead to some exciting things in 2018, and then I want to end this morning by just a personal challenge that I think covers each of us and where we go from here and maybe trust the Lord in greater ways uh, in 2018 together. But if you've got a Bible, I invite you to take it open to the middle of the New Testament, uh, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, page 805, if you want to use uh, one of the Bibles around the room uh, that's uh, on the floor right now. I've got a special file uh, that I keep in my office that uh, is full of encouragement notes that I've received over the last 18 years of ministry. I've got uh, different photos and kind of keepsakes that remind me of just kind of the great adventure, really, that serving in ministry is and some things that are just very personal to me. I was slipping through there this past week, and I came across this picture uh, that's got so many great stories behind it. We've got a little photo here for you on the screen. I don't know why you're laughing. But uh, anyways, uh, I had the opportunity to travel with Athletes in Action basketball team to Kazakhstan uh, back in 2001. And Athletes in Action is a branch of Campus Crusade for Christ. It's a, really a cool ministry and just a reminder of how even a sport uh, can provide a great opportunity to share the gospel in some otherwise difficult places. And uh, this particular Athletes in Action team was comprised of Division One and Division Two basketball players. Uh, please understand that I was not recruited uh, to be a part of this basketball team, but rather the church that I was serving, we supported Athletes in Action financially. And so they invited me to go along as a special guest. Now, I had no intentions, no dreams whatsoever of putting on a uniform or playing. I expected to be a spectator on the sidelines, but at the very opening of this tournament uh, that consisted of professional teams from China and Russia and other teams from the East, the coach for AIA handed me a uniform and said, hey, we'd like for you to dress with us. And so I was pretty pumped about that, that I got to dress and run out and do warm-ups on the floor, and my name was called during the team introductions. And well, believe it or not, there was one game when we were up by 30, and uh, what do you know, Ollie at the end of the bench got called into the game, and I got a picture here to even prove it. It's not a great photo, but I'm down on the floor, but what you can't see is that guy who is laying. You see his shoes there? I set a charge on him on the sideline. All right, that was my one claim to fame in Kazakhstan. I set a charge. He didn't know what hit him, all right? I just, I was like, hey, these are made in the USA, buddy. You know, that's what I, <laughs> I said to him. But uh, that, that was my one moment of, of stardom. But uh, I, I spent, trust me, most of the time on the bench. In fact, I had one person come up to me after a game and and the people there were just intrigued by the fact that a U.S. team would come over. So we were all treated like celebrities. And the one person said to me, they're like, hey, why don't you play? Like, you know, because I was the only one on the team that really didn't play. But honestly, though, I was pretty familiar with not playing and sitting on the bench because that's kind of what my high school basketball career was all about. But uh, here's the thing. Can I, can I tell you something about following Jesus? Can I, can I tell you something about what it means to, to call yourself a part of Genesis? And this is true of each of you. There's no exceptions. Uh, following Jesus means every person has a part to play. 
Right? If you've made a commitment to Christ, you have a part to play. You have a role to play in his kingdom. And it doesn't matter whether you're a grandma or a grandpa, uh, whether you're working or retired or semi-retired. It doesn't matter if you're single or married, a student or a kid. If you call Genesis your church, if you've made a commitment, if you've trusted Jesus Christ with your life and for your forgiveness, all right, you have a part to play in leading others to Christ. If you're taking notes this morning, write this down. If you're a follower of Jesus... Okay, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have a part to play in helping people find their way back to God. Now, that's our mission, all right? That's always been our mission as a church, and it comes right out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, all right? And the Apostle Paul is writing here, and he's reaching out to a group of people like you and me, people who had questions about their role as Christians uh, in a confusing, out-of-control world. And so with this letter in 2 Corinthians, Paul speaks to the issue about every person having a part to play. Now, I want to skip ahead for just a moment to verse 21 to help you see the motivation and the passion really behind Paul's words. We call it the good news of the gospel. Again, this is really the heartbeat behind what we do as a church, and it should be the motivation behind the way we live our lives as followers of Jesus today. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Paul writes this. He says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And because God knew, all right, because God knew that we would never be able to solve the problem of personal sin on our own, he made the first move. All right, he demonstrated his love for us when he sent his son Jesus Christ into this world who died for my sin and died for your sin. And the Apostle Paul had experienced this grace in a powerful, personal sort of way. And so Paul has this in mind. All right, as he writes these words to encourage us, back up, if you would, to verse 14. He says, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. Now, that word compel uh, means to constrain. It means to, uh, to control in, in a really good way. Paul, Paul's basically saying, hey, I'm living out my new life, all right, giving everything that I have out of love for the one who gave himself for me who gave his son verse 15 Paul continues and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again see here's the truth for us if you have put your trust in Jesus Christ if you've surrendered your life to him you belong to God all right you belong to him and because you belong to him it means that you and I that we should no longer live for anyone else but Jesus Christ in this world and this is a really big deal to Paul. Again, if we go back to sports for just a moment, you and I, we likely make a really big deal out of the teams that we root for. And so maybe you wear their jersey on a Sunday. Maybe you fly their flag from your door or from your car. We'll go to great lengths to make sure that everyone knows the team that we root for. In this passage, I can hear Paul saying, please don't let there be any doubt about who you belong to in this world and who it is that you're living for. And so he continues in verse 16, he says, So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. See, as followers of Jesus, what's most important is that we remember how Christ loved all people, how he loved all people enough to die for them. And for that reason, I think what Paul's getting at is he's saying, hey, you need to learn to see the world and to see people through a new set of lenses. Basically, there are those who have made a commitment to trust Christ with their life, and they're now following Jesus, and then there are those who aren't. It's one of two people. There are those who are in Christ in this world, 
and there are those who are living apart from Christ, and that's how the Apostle Paul sees people. As Paul sees the world, he is seeing people through a new set of lenses, and do you know what he's confident about? He's confident about what Christ can do for any person and the power of Christ in any life. And he knows from experience, all right, because Paul was a pretty unsavory character himself at one time, but one thing changed everything for Paul, and that was Jesus. And Jesus made an incredible difference for Paul in his life, and he knows that it can do the same for anyone. And so he says in verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, and the new person is here. Paul says anyone. This is what defines Paul's life. This is what should define, you know, your life and my life, all right, and everything that we do for Jesus in this world because Christ was crucified. He was raised to new life, and because he's been raised to new life, you and I, we've been offered a brand new life. We are in, invited into a new way of living. That's what, that's what the cross of Jesus Christ does for people. That's what the empty tomb means for people. It offers new life, all right. It's, it, it changes people. All right, and that just means for us that the cross of Jesus can change any person. It can change the person that's seated next to you right now. Don't turn and look at them. That might be a little awkward, you know, if you give them a glance. But the cross of Jesus, it can change the person who's hurt you the most. Uh, it can change the person who refuses to come to church with you. It can, it can change your mom or your dad. It can change your son or your daughter. Uh, the cross of Jesus can change your neighbor. See, the cross of Jesus Christ, what Paul is demonstrating, what he's passionately saying here is that the cross of Jesus can change anyone. And if we believe that, and if we've experienced that in our own life, then we must be prepared to embrace what Paul offers us next because he begins to spell this out practically. Verse 18 he says, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. All right? Christ saved us. All right? Paul says we are made new. But this isn't something that we keep to ourselves. Rather, he says, notice what he says about our role in this world. He has given us the ministry all right, this is for each of us. He has given us the ministry and the message of reconciliation. And to reconcile something means to bring peace between two things. It means to restore the relationship. The message is that you can have peace with God and a relationship with God in this world through Jesus Christ. And that's the message. But don't overlook the responsibility for each of us, verse 20, he emphasizes this. He says, we are, all Christians, we are Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you, he says, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Here's the thing. For those who were living under the rule of Rome in this first century, there was no greater honor than to be chosen as an ambassador to the emperor himself. An ambassador was an official representative of the emperor and trusted with the responsibility of representing and speaking on behalf of the emperor to the people of the world. And so Paul's borrowing a concept from culture here to help people then, but also for you and me today to better understand what it is that we've been called to as followers of Christ and as a church in this world. Paul says that if you are in Christ, you are an ambassador, you are a representative of the person and the message of Jesus Christ to this world. As an ambassador then, as a follower, you represent. 
You represent the the people that God has put in your life. And it doesn't matter what you do for a living. It doesn't matter what you do with your free time. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter the influence that you've been given. You, you have been given an audience which you are responsible for sharing the message and the person of Jesus Christ. That message is that in Christ you are made new. You can discover forgiveness and that you can have a relationship with God. Look at how the New Living Translation writes these words for verse 20. Paul says, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Our, our mission statement as a church comes right here from these very words. That we exist. You exist to help people find their way back to God. And that means if you're a follower of Jesus, you have a very personal part to play in helping people find their way back to God. Because it's not just something we do as a church. It's not just something we program for. Every person has a part to play. And that's why we believe that disciple-making is the very best way to help people find their way back to God. And so when someone asks, what's the vision? Like, where do we see the Lord leading our church over these next few years? The answer is, we want to become a disciple-making church. And we are confident that we can help even more people find their way back to God as we make disciples of all people of all ages. And just as a quick review for you, disciple making is all about the individual part that we play as a representative, as a worker, as an ambassador. You choose your word, all right, for Jesus Christ. It's the process of leading someone to Christ, all right, helping that person grow in their relationship with Christ, and then training and releasing that person to go out and to do the same for other people. And again, we believe that disciple making is the best way to help people find their way back to God. And so what I hope you see is that it takes every person, every person. That's what Paul's getting at here. Every person has a part. Every person has a responsibility and a role to play. And I just got to tell you that as we look back on 2017, I am so excited about the progress that we're making as a church, as a disciple-making church. And you got to know, we see that this is a 5, 10, maybe a 20-year sort of a process, but it's one that we're committed to, and so we're making progress, and I think we've made some great progress this past year. Let me celebrate some highlights with you quickly, if I could, just kind of a 2017 in review. I'll start with 103 people. Students and adults at the Multiply Training back a few weeks ago. The Multiply Training seminar for us is uh, just simply an opportunity to, to pour into people, people like you and me, to help us understand what it means to be a, an ambassador, what it means to be a kingdom worker in this world and to live very practically. What, what's it look like day to day to live for Jesus in this world? And so we spend some time helping you identify people in your life that God has put there. Maybe people that don't know the Lord or people that are ready to grow in their relationship with the Lord. We use the Multiply Seminar to help train people how to share their story of coming to faith, how to, to share the gospel, to share the good news of Jesus with others, and then how to pray for others. You know, that we're not going to accomplish anything apart from prayer. And so what does it mean to, to have a list of some people in your life that you're just praying for and praying for them daily and praying for God to open up doors for conversations? Get this, a hundred people, all right, at our recent Multiply Seminar committed to pray for at least three people each. I know you can do the multiplication. That means that 300 people right now are being prayed for to come to Christ or to grow in Christ. I think that's pretty outstanding and pretty worth celebrating, you know, for that we see these things happening. 
And it's going to be fun to watch some of these stories over the next couple of years. And again, we're not only doing this training with our adults, but our students too. Our student team is doing an exceptional job of helping our students understand the part that they play. And it's been awesome to see how our students are living this out. They're doing these very same things, investing in their friends. We've got something Jose was sharing with me, uh, 12 students that made a commitment to ministry. All right, this past year. Can we celebrate that too for just a moment? Isn't that awesome uh, to hear that? Our Gen Kids team is being very intentional. And, and the way they are training and pouring into our children and pouring into parents. One of the ways that we're doing this is through family commissioning. We formally call that parent or child dedication. But we think that family commissioning better gets to the point, helping parents understand the primary role they have as disciple makers in the lives of their children. This past year, 15 different families stood on one of our stages and committed to raising their kids to know and to love Jesus Christ. See, we're making disciples all right, we're, we're getting started. There's evidence of this work, all right, and I sense some momentum and more to come in this next year, but let me first tell you about some other wins we've experienced this year. Our Carmel campus celebrated its five-year anniversary, all right, and we think that's a huge win for our church, that we're not just growing in one place, but we're growing in multiple locations. We've got a full staff team, all right, which we're really excited about, and 13 people on our staff. I just want to say that your generosity all right, and your prayers make this possible. And because of your generosity, our staff gets a salary, all right, which really helps, all right. And I want you to know that I'm really excited about our team and their humility and their desire to serve you and to serve with you as we head into this next year. When we think about groups and how important those are to relationships and to our church, we've got more groups than we've ever had before at our two campuses. We had 40 men participate in an eight-week study together this past summer uh, over, uh, again, eight weeks. We had uh, 75 women participate in the if gathering here uh, at our church last february we've got a growing group of uh, a, a, a connection group of 20 somethings meeting on thursday nights right now uh, one of our carmel pastors and his wife are hosting this group we think that's great uh, here's some numbers for you 17 baptisms in 2017 uh, 1479 people at easter services uh, 1200 people last weekend for christmas eve services across two campuses uh, 200 people came out on a Friday night in September for the Reconciliation of All Things Seminar with Brad Gray. We had 139 kids attend our Spring Hill Day Camp this past July right here in our Noblesville campus. Can we just celebrate uh, some of these numbers together? And uh, I'll tell you, you know, numbers aren't everything, but when a number represents a person, all right, and when you have a mission like helping people find their way back to God, you can see why every number matters because it represents a person's life. When we think about outreach and missions, uh, we've got a team of adults that went to Haiti back in February, another one going again this February. Our GSM, our student ministry, sent their very first team to Haiti uh, this past summer, and we look forward to doing that every other year so that our students get an opportunity uh, to serve there. Get this, seven people from our church traveled on a couple of different occasions to Myanmar this past year uh, to share the hope of Christ and to mentor for small business owners uh, through a ministry partner called Opportunities Now. We've got trips planned for 2018 with something like uh, 13 people from Genesis committed to going on those trips so far, one that will take off in January. Uh, one of our staff members, Jamie Scheider, uh, traveled with a team to a missionary serving with Last Bell Ministries in Ukraine uh, a little over a month ago. We're praying about some new opportunities that we hope are going to come uh, out of that visit in the next couple of years. 
uh, on the local level, every elementary school in Noblesville was served to make sure that no kid went without a backpack or school supplies this summer, thanks to the generosity uh, of Genesis. Uh, 65 people, get this, served a total of 17 Sundays with Food for Souls, a homeless ministry uh, down in Indianapolis. We provided spring break totes, 200 of them. Uh, to help feed 200 kids over their spring break in Indianapolis because they might not eat otherwise if it weren't for those spring break totes. Again, you were a big part of it. And then let's celebrate this. In, in this past year, $217,000 came from you, all right, and went outside of these walls to support ministry partners, not only here locally but around the world, other groups that are helping people find their way back to God. Let's celebrate your generosity and God's faithfulness through this. Let me tell you one story. We planted a new church in 2017. Uh, you may not have heard about it yet because it's 5,157 miles from here in a place called Fear, Albania. And uh, just so you know where that is, and you can see Greece and Macedonia and just across there, Italy. Uh, you've maybe heard of me talk about our partnership with ICF Church in Tirana, Albania before. They're doing some amazing work in a country where, get this, one half, less than one half of 1% of people have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so an overwhelming majority of people are far from God. We were, as a church, able to provide a $20,000 gift uh, to help plant a brand new church, all right, that with the time, I think has already met today, uh, with the time change, but the pastor's name of this new church is Festim. I've got a picture here of him for you to see. Festim is over on the far right, uh, baptizing somebody here in the sea. Let me tell you a little bit about him. Festim and a core group of people have been praying, evangelizing, and sharing their faith and fear for some time now. The Lord has given them a lot of influence, especially with, get this, kids and students, and he sent me a picture here uh, just so you could see a little bit of their uh, influence right now at one of their ministry outreach events, but they've been praying about planting a church, all right, where they could have weekly worship services, and so a little over a month ago, all right, they were able to start meeting for weekly worship services because of the generosity of gen you. There's a church in Fear, Albania, because of your generosity. And I've been waiting until today to tell you. And so can we celebrate the Lord's faithfulness in supporting this church? There's a whole bunch of other things we could talk about, but I got to keep going. So many stories of people finding their way back to God. Let's not forget as well and thank God for his healing work and his guidance in our church this past year. He has been a faithful amazing and gracious God. Looking forward to 2018 quickly. We're going to celebrate, get this, 15 years as a church in 2018. I don't know if you know that or not, but 15 years. Uh, and so we're planning a celebration for late summer, early fall. Uh, when you think about Sunday mornings, we already told you a little bit about the Life at 2% series coming about up. We're going to talk about things like spiritual warfare this year. We're going to do a series on questions and doubts that people have about their faith. We're going to talk about what it means to build relationships with your neighbors all right, those people that are living in proximity to you. We're going to do a series on the life of David. We're going to do a series on heaven and hell. Um, I want to let you know that we're in the process of doing some uh, studies on our lobby space and how we can use our lobby space a little more functionally. Uh, maybe not so much on Sunday mornings, but especially throughout the week as well. And so there may be some good things that come from that. Um, I, I want, I believe we're going to continue to grow in our generosity as a church. We're committed to giving 10% of everything 
everything that we receive here away to other ministry partners. I want to see us grow in church planting and supporting church planters, you know, not only in places far away like Fear, Albania, but also here locally uh, as well. We want to keep taking steps uh, as a praying church, all right, because we know we accomplish nothing apart from prayer and trusting the Lord. We want to uh, help people uh, get better connected to our church. And we realize that we've got new people coming all of the time. And so we're really spending a lot of time praying and thinking about how to best get people connected here. And we also want to think about, okay, how do we help you, me, how, how do we continue growing in our relationship kind of along a, a disciple-making pathway so that everything that we do is intentional? When you came in today, you might have received this handout, if we didn't run out yet, uh, that just kind of identifies uh, in the next quarter some next steps that you might t consider taking in your involvement here at Genesis or in your relationship with God. If I could just walk through these briefly, you know, when we think about new to Genesis, Kevin already pointed out that we're going to offer our intro to Genesis lunches. That's a great kind of first step in getting to know our church. Uh, an even better step, or maybe that second step for some of you, is what we call our Discover Genesis small group, where you really just get to understand, you know, who we are, what we're about, and the part that every person has to play. Notice over there on the far right under the Who is Jesus category. We're going to start a small group in February called the Encounter Jesus small group. And this would be for those that you would say, you know what, I've never made a commitment to Christ. I'm not even sure I understand what that means. And you know what, I got some questions first about what that might look like. You might consider the Encounter Jesus group. Maybe you've thought about baptism. Maybe you've got some questions about baptism. You can see a class and a date that's coming up. Certainly on the backside, we talk a lot about our connection groups. We've mentioned Financial Peace University already. Wired is a seminar coming up that will kind of help you in understanding how God made you and how he wants to use you. Again, the part that you have to play, the marriage course. Let me end by just highlighting one more time the Multiply Workshop. And uh, we realize, again, if we're going to help people find their way back to God, it takes every person. And maybe you're at a place in your life where you would say, hey, I'm growing in my relationship with the Lord, and now I'm ready to be a part of the work. All right, I want to learn what it means to share my faith. I want to learn what it means to invest in others. Would you consider, all right, attending that half-day seminar coming up the end of February? Because again, what could happen if every person in our church was living intentionally? Investing in people, praying for others, always ready to share the hope of Jesus Christ with someone else. Can I share with you the story of one young mom in our church and just the efforts that she's making and how she, she's, she sees God working in some really cool ways. And I, I've edited the story with her permission a little bit just to protect some details and to protect the relationship. She writes, I met Sarah at the tumbling class our girls took at the club last spring. She had just moved here and her husband travels regularly too, so my heart went out to her. I started praying for her and building a relationship with her all through the summer and fall. I used somewhat of what I learned from Multiply to move our conversations deeper and learned a lot about her upbringing. But most of the time, I was struggling to take the conversation to the next level. One of the things I committed to was to pray for her daily instead of occasionally. And wouldn't you know it, one day while praying for her, she texted me. Turns out both of our husbands were traveling the next night, so she invited us over for pizza. It was the first time she'd invited me into her home, which felt like a milestone of sorts. In my quiet time that Tuesday, I was praying over our conversation and time together that night, 
praying for her family and uh, reviewing what I learned from Multiply, and I decided to write out the questions and conversation I hope to have that night since I'm not good at thinking on my feet. So get this. So between that time and going to her house, I was really prayerful about all of it. On the way there, the kids were being awful. We were late and stuck in traffic. I thought, this is never going to happen. What was I thinking? I really appreciate her honesty, right? That This is just real life living here. But she says, we made it. And after dinner, I started talking to my friend about the holidays and how they can be a struggle. I told her about how I'm trying to value Jesus above all things at Christmas. She started asking questions, which provided me an opportunity to ask her more about what she believes and her opinions of Jesus. From there, I was able to share how my faith became my own, my before and after Jesus story. She goes on. We dialogued for a bit. She started talking about God and asking uh, things like why bad things happen to people. I told her I could draw her a picture. And for those of you that have been through the Multiply Seminar and you know the three circles, to help her better understand, all right, if she'd get me a pen and paper. But at that very minute, the kids came running in asking for dessert, and we never got back to the conversation. Heartbreak, all right? But look at this. She says, now I'm just praying for another chance to talk with her and praying that she becomes really curious about Jesus. She was surprisingly really open to it and seemed to enjoy the whole conversation. Just quick, a few general observations. I want you to notice how God will bring people into your life You've got people in your life right now that God has put there. Um, cultivating a friendship with someone ought to be just a responsibility of every human being on the planet, all right? But especially more so as followers of Jesus. And then notice how she's praying and praying and praying, and God is working and working and working. And then she ends with this, and this is so good. She says, I was thinking this morning that all of this must flow from our intimacy with Jesus. And thinking of myself 10, 15 years ago, I would have never befriended a stranger, let alone had a spiritual conversation. But as the Lord reveals more of himself to me, and I grow in my relationship with him, I am equipped for these things without even realizing or planning for it. And then she says this, the real treasure is my relationship with him. And I just think, you know, I know there are more stories and some of you have some great stories of people that you're investing in, people that you're praying for. And if not, why not? Why not for all of us? What could happen if every single one of us was living intentionally, praying each day, praying for people, sharing our faith, always ready for that moment where the Lord may call on us to help somebody else find their way back to God. Here's my challenge for you, for all of us. No matter your age, no matter who you are as we head into to 2018, we want to see the Lord do more as a church. I know you want to see the Lord do more in your life. And what's the key to that more? What's the key to that growth? I think it comes right out of John chapter 15, starting in verse 4. It's Jesus' words uh, from himself for us. Look what he says about the way that we live our lives as representatives, of, as followers in this world. He says, remain in me. As I also remain in you, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Jesus says, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. He says, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. But if you remain in me, and my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, 
showing yourselves to be my disciples, my ambassadors, my representatives. Notice the emphasis on remaining in Christ, trusting him, drawing close to him. He is the one that will produce fruit through our work and through our efforts. And you know what? It brings him so much glory. It brings him so much glory to see his faithful, obedient people trusting him and living for him and trusting him for all of the work. Write this in your notes. Last thing. Your ability, my ability, our church really to help people find their way back to God will come out of the overflow of your relationship with Jesus. It will come out of the connection. Our willingness to draw close to God, to trust him more and more each and every day of our lives. I'm going to invite the host team to come down our aisles right now. We're going to have a time of communion together. An opportunity to remember, uh, remember his death, remember his life, his passion, the life that he has called us to in this world. And they're going to begin passing out these. In just a moment when you receive them, I want to invite you just to take it and hold it in your hand. And even now, I want to just, I want to get you thinking. What does it mean for you in 2018? What steps might you be ready to take? How might the Lord want to draw you in a close, intimate way into a deeper relationship with him? And what's your part in that? What might his part be? And so take a few moments, if you would, and maybe, maybe you want to just speak to God. Maybe you want to ask God to speak to you. And Again, hold these elements in your hand. We'll take them together in just a moment. But just you and God. What might he want to do in your life in this next year and in our church?